Grand Touring Motorsports started as a social group of car enthusiasts, but we've expanded into all sorts of motorsports disciplines, and we want to share our stories with you. Years of racing, wrenching, and motorsports experience brings together a top-notch collection of knowledge and information through our podcast, Break Fix. Hey everybody, Crew Chief Eric here. In this episode, we bring you an unconventional origin story, one that begins with a Z, ends with a Z, and has a whole mess of Porsche in the middle. And to explain how this sandwich was made is none other than one of GTM's original cast, one of our first year members, Portia Al. Welcome to Break Fix. Hey Eric, thank you for uh, the invite. We know you have a really great story about how you got the nickname Portia Al, but there's a story that leads up to that. Early on when I was a little bit younger, my uncle had a shop. That shop was uh, downtown somewhere in Baltimore. I would go down to the shop from time to time, just hanging out. And one of my friends there, his name is Jason. We called him Big J. You know, I wasn't a big race guy or big on uh, race cars like that. I didn't even really know. Uh, I had a car, my first car that I paid for. I hated the damn thing. In the meantime, while I was coming down the shop, got one of those times I was driving somewhere going too fast, I got in an accident, so I bought a Z, 280, 1975. During that time, I'm going back and forth to the shop. So my uncle had to go to Kuwait. He had to go to, uh, down to Fort Hood. So my, my buddy Jason took over the shop and ran it for him for a while. So in that time, going down to the shop quite a bit, he was like, oh, we should do some work. Okay, what do we need to do? So I changed the cam, which was a nightmare for somebody who, who really looked at the, the cam as an easy job. So I installed it, not correct the first time. And what does that really mean? I didn't set the timing correctly. Prior to that, I had installed uh, headers, bigger throttle body. And I forgot to add, I, I did put on a center force clutch and a light flywheel. And when I say I did everything, I was doing everything to the car. Every week I put on a new part. And so the car incrementally just got better and better and better. But back to that cam. So I installed the cam. And of course, like I said, I did not stall it in the right setup the first time or the second time, uh, maybe the third time. And with, if you're not familiar with that, that particular type of Z, it has a side tensioner. And every time you take that cam gear off, if you do not put a chop down in there, the spring pops out and drops down to the bottom. And I will tell you, in one day trying to get it configured properly, I took the front of the engine apart three times, all right? It was a nightmare. But every time I turned to the tooth, turned to the tooth, turned to the tooth, finally got it tuned properly. You could tell the first two or three times I started, you knew it wasn't right because of the way it sounds. But the last time I got it started properly, I mean, got it, got it set up prop, started, and you knew right away the way that it was firing. I put it back together. I took it for a quick test drive. Jay uh, knew a guy who had been racing Z's for a long time, and they used to call him the Z-Man. And he had what was called the triple Weber carburetors. And so he said, Al, let's take a ride and see if he had them for sale. Because at the time I had to, I mentioned that I had the big throttle body, which really to me wasn't really giving me that much uh, performance. I went over to the guy's house and his house was like a mechanic shop, right? He was single. He had parts everywhere. He was a nice guy, but he had parts everywhere. It's like going to visit Mountain Man Dan then. I, I gotcha. I understand. <laughs> So I, we were talking to him. Jason uh, did the introduction and asked if he had the, the uh, carbs. He said yes. He said how much he wanted was $500. At the time, I had 500 in my pocket, which they couldn't believe. And I literally took those carbs down to the shop, 
and put them right on. I didn't clean them. I did nothing. But they were, I just popped them right on. The car started right up and ran phenomenally. And again, I would tell you that I wasn't a racer. Uh, the guys down the shop, a tree, Mike, and another guy whose name uh, escapes me right now, but Jay was kind of like the big dog on the block. Jay had uh, RX-7, the uh, 13B. He was all tricked out. Well, another one of his friends had a Mazda, and uh, Mike had uh, a Mustang. 5.0 had been tricked out. So it was uh, like uh, 85, I think. These guys <laughs> were, were astonished that in maybe two or three months, I had completely rebuilt and the car was race ready. And Jay asked me, oh, why don't you race these guys? And I was like, well, I'm not really a racer. So, so we go up to the light and from the light to the shop doors was about a quarter mile. All right. I, I can see where this is going. <laughs> so I, I need to back up a little bit because I would tell you that the name Big Jay, he had that name for a reason. He was very cocky. If he wasn't the guy with the biggest, fastest car, then he wasn't. He, will, he would take his shit apart. But that's who he was, right? Now, I didn't know some of this stuff early on, right? I mean, you know he's brash. You know he's always got a lot of mouth, got a lot to say when it comes to cars. So he asked me to go. I, we were lined up at the light. Just before the light turns, I stomp on it. I launch on the Mustang and the, the Mazda. By the time we get in front of the shop, I've got the Mustang by two cars. Cars screaming. And I was like, okay. To me, I'm like, yeah, is, okay, is it fast? <laughs> is what I'm saying, right? Because I'm, I'm like, well, I'm newbie to this, right? Later on that night, let me just say this. They used to race on Nolan Parkway and Wallback. In between the police rotations, when they would change shifts, <laughs> they, would, they would be road racing. And you would go up and it would be, Hundreds of people out on this trip. Jay asked me to meet him up there, and I was like, all right. I took my nephew, I'm sorry, my cousin, who was probably 10 or 11 at the time. There were all kinds of motorcycles, cars, trucks, everything you can think of were racing, and people were making money. So I got there probably about between 11 and 11.30, and one of Jason's friends had been watching me build a car. But if you go down to the shop, I will be coming after work. There's so many people I don't know who's who. So there's so many people coming back and forth. When you're working on the car, sometimes you pay attention. I right, mean, I was right. in a safe environment, but sometimes you don't. You just continue to work. All the other stuff is noise, right? And unless you're getting help, it's just noise. So I'm saying, say, there was somebody watching me build the car, unbeknownst to me. So he says, hey, I want to race your car tonight. I'll give you $500. And, you know, I look at Jay, I'm like, what do you think? He said, yeah, let it, okay. I said, okay. So he takes the car, he races an M3 BMW, quarter mile, he takes off and blows the, the M3 away. There you start arguing. I get my 500 up front. <laughs> <laughs> I get my 500 up front, and I will say these guys bet 5,000. Whoa. Right. And so it became a big deal because there became an argument about who left first and it was a whole it was a whole thing but I was like I don't know I got my car I got my took my cousin and we went home because I had my money I was no I wasn't a part of that but you know that was my kind of introduction to racing into Z so Jay once my car won 
at Northern Parkway at the races, he went the next day and took his car apart. And so he had on his on his miles, he had every imaginable part, headers, exhaust. He had uh, uh, the big throttle body carburetor that was uh, proper for that year. He took it all apart and sold it. And then he sold the car. He said, if I'm not the big dog, I'm not it. The next time he and I really had a good conversation about cars, he was driving a Chevelle, big body Chevelle, where he had taken the motor apart, put it all back together, and completely redid the thing. Now, I was not even in a class <laughs> with that big boy V8, you know, but he was, he was doing something different at the time. So for me, for Z's, right, is a natural thing. I, I, so how did I get to Porsche? We, we fast forward some years. Big J is now, unbeknownst to me, collecting Porsches. And so one day uh, I go by his house and in the back of his yard, he has four. And I was like, what are you doing with all the 911s? And so at the same time, he was about to move to Atlanta. So and I was like, well, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing with all the Porsches, man? I don't understand. I'm parting these out and I'm taking three with me. I was like, okay, so you, you, you've got four, you're gonna part out one, put it all in. You're gonna tow, make a couple trips and tow them down. He's like, yeah, okay. You know, and my story was, you know you need an advocate for you. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody that's gonna keep you motivated. So you need to let me get <laughs> one of those portions. You don't need three, right? You don't. Absolutely. And so he took, he literally took all three down there. He made the trips, two trips. He got everything down. And for six months, we had a conversation. And we still talk to this day, but for six months, on and off was, hey, Jay, what are you doing with that extra Porsche? <laughs> Jay, what are you going to do with that extra Porsche? Oh, Al, somebody's going to buy it from me. I said, Jay, that's not what you want. You still need to advocate. And the whole time when he was collecting Porsches, he worked and drove for this Porsche um, modification shop on Route 1. Uh, TPC, Turbo Performance Center. Right. He drove for them, and for three or four or five years that he drove as a, because he was, not only was a mechanic, but he was also uh, big rig certified. So mm -hmm. he had a CDL. So he was to drive for them to track. But the whole time he drove, they never shared any information. Interesting. Ever. Not once. And he complained about that shop more than anything. So finally he got frustrated. Once he, you know, he had enough parts, figured he figured it out. What was amazing was that in the three or four years that he worked for them, I met you and I got more information from you, more information out of you and Shane. And then I met Ted, Ted ended up being a turd, but more information out of you two than he got in the whole four years. Wow. And so, you know, he was, he was upset about it, right? Because people, he felt like they wouldn't share with him. And I started sharing because you guys shared with me. Yeah. And when we met and you said, hey, you know, we, I don't even remember how we even got on the subject of cars. And you brought it up and said, hey, I got this 77 911 Targa. And I'm like, oh, well, I come from a, you know, a, let's call it a vintage Porsche family with the 911s we had, 914, stuff like that. And so, you know, we got, we, we started to bond over that. And so it was good to find somebody else that wasn't like, hey, I drive a 330i BMW. Like, you know, everybody else. <laughs> That's what they buy, you know, I don't know. Right. So it's yeah. cool to, you know, oh, I got a vintage Porsche. You know, it's, it's pretty nice. Right. And so uh, I don't know if Brad knows, early on in our conversation, Eric would say, hey, Al, I have this parts for you. Don't worry. <laughs> you, 
You got to come and get it. <laughs> it's true. It's he, true. He still right. does that to me now. I mean, he'll call me and is it? Hey, I just got you something. Right. So you know what I do now? I just leave the parts in the garage with yellow post-it notes that just say Brad. And then when he comes over, they're just sitting there taunting him. So I don't have to even say anything anymore. The yeah. best part was one time I left my car there at his house and I got there. He was doing some work on it. And there was like a $300 stress bar across the the engine apartment. I was like, what the hell is that? It was like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> right. I, how do you like that, right? <laughs> so sort of somewhere in there. So uh, Jay had heard my conversation, right? And one day, one Saturday morning, he showed up at the house with the car in tow. Wow. And put it in the backyard. And now eight years later. <laughs> so wait, let's pause there a second. I never saw it in its original configuration. I saw it after you got it painted. So what was the condition of the, the Targa? So the Targa was in, it was in great shape. It was white. I pretty much just replaced the carpet on the interior. What you saw other than being white was the way that I got it. Now, I will say that there was no transmission and there was no engine. And I was good with that. So, you know, over time, you can source uh, enough stuff, right? And trust me. So you sourced a motor for it. What did you end up with in, in the beginning? It was a 3L. That was a great motor. I, I will tell you that I made some mistakes with that, but I rebuilt that in the driveway. I was not really comfortable with my ability, so I never really took it anywhere. But I would take the car out, and there's a, there's a few roads around my house that I would call my test track. We all have one of those. <laughs> and in the middle of the night, I would take it and burn around the neighborhood. And I mean, it would fly. There was, there was a couple of times that I took it down to, I can't remember the name of the shop that moved to a 100. They did a dyno and tune on it. I never really felt comfortable with my work, so I never took it anywhere. And I always thought something was wrong with it. And that being said, you think something's wrong with it enough time, something's going to be wrong with it. Transitioning from a late 70s Datsun or Nissan, for most people that recognize it as a Nissan Z car, to a Porsche, right? From an inline six to a flat six, you're still dealing with six cylinder. Did you find the transition easy because they're both carbureted motors or were they just so drastically different that you knew how to turn wrenches and you just got to figure it out at that point? Turning wrenches was the easy part. Working on the motor, that Porsche part was a little bit more difficult to me. Never having seen one apart, never really kind of grasping. It wasn't until we or maybe Shane and I had some conversation about the motor, became more familiar. And anytime, the more you do anything, the more you become familiar. Mm -hmm. But I never really felt a level of confidence for me in dealing with that car. The Z car is, it, to me, was more straightforward just just in how to the porsche everything had to be a, done a specific way when i was looking or doing searches i could always find something on the z you could barely find anything on porsche that group so because it's a to me an older group they don't share the same as the younger demographic they don't share they're not posting stuff out on youtube if i wanted something for the z i could go on youtube and have it in five seconds. Yeah. Porsche, not so much. So I had a hard time. So how long did it take before the Porsche tax kicked in? Yeah. So right away. And so you got to know that when I go, I go all in. And so it was Christmas and I bought $3,000 worth of carburetors. And then 
headers. And then, you know, this thing. And it was always, you know, I need new brakes. I need, you know, if I'm going to do it, and, and then I'm looking at, if I'm going to stop, what do I need to do? If I'm going to do this? Now, I, I would tell you the Porsche is so not like the Z. In parts of parts, but not really when you talk about, <laughs> when you talk about <laughs> Porsche parts, right? Because the cost is, I want to say maybe 10 times or 20 times the amount. So the last motor I had in this, the, the Porsche was a 3.6, which I got from you. When that motor went bad, and I don't know if you guys know uh, the story about why the motor died. I don't know if I ever told you that. It's your opportunity to tell it. Last year or year before the motor died, going into uh, the, the fall. And so I parked it is when I noticed that there was something wrong. And so you gave me a Tony, I think it's Translog. So I take it to him early January maybe late December, he takes it apart. He finds a piston ring down on the inside. There was no, nothing broken on the motor. There was an extra piston ring placed on the inside of the motor. Over time, that piston ring started getting chewed up. And over time, you know what happens, right? You get metal fibers that you looked up in the crank number, I think three and two position on the crank was worn completely out. So it, that knock that I was hearing, which I thought was somewhere else, I was like, how in the hell can it, I have an issue when it's a new build? So and I will say that's thanks to uh, my friend Ted, right? <laughs> I won't throw him under the bus by putting his last name out there. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. But that motor had some previous, we'll call them curses or hexes on it too, because what did it eat a rag or something, a shop towel and, and another time something else happened. There was, there was always something always a little bit off about it really surprised me. Cause I did drive the car and it ran well until it just didn't. Right. That's the story, right? For eight years, I have a folder that, uh, you, so you talk about the Porsche tax that somewhere around, I don't, I don't want to say, cause my wife is outside the door. <laughs> We'll just leave it there. You're better off. <laughs> but, I, you know, that, that Porsche tax was high. When I listed it, and I had a, a couple of folks reach out, and some I wasn't sure if they were scammers trying to get my personal information. And I had been through that, ooh, you know, I need my financier to call and blah, 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 blah. You know, that, that sounds like a bunch of crap just like it is. Like those old Nigerian prince emails we used to get <laughs> back in the old days. <laughs> exactly. And so, but once the guy from Germany reached out and he, you know, he gave me a deposit of 5000 I knew that he was serious uh, about buying the car and everything went well. I gave him more parts. I was just, you know, when you're done, and, and I, I know that you heard me say this, but when you're done, I was done. I was like, here, just take it all. I don't even care yeah. anymore. Yeah. Right. And so, and, but it opened the door for the Z, right? So for the listeners out there, as you're kind of putting the story together here, Al had his 911, which started with a three liter. It's a 77 Targa and ended up with a 3.6 twin spark in it for about eight years. And then he just recently sold it. So a lot of this is really new information, especially to the, the members out there that, you know, been listening to the stories of Porsche Al over the years. He's now hung his Porsche hat on the hat rack and has gone back to his roots. But before we talk about the new car, I actually want to step back in time and do a little comparison between the old car and the 911 for just a moment, if you don't mind, Al. And you've got some other interesting cars in your resume. You, you picked up another car, which we'll, we'll probably talk about towards the tail end of the segment. The 911 was silver. Was the Datsun silver too? 
No, the, the Datsun was like a brown something. But okay, very seventies color. Okay, right, right. But I, I ended up getting that painted a burgundy, almost like a cranberry red. And I did uh, like with the Porsche. I did a lot to that car. It was a tragic ending. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've never heard the end to the Z, like what happened to it. Like you went, yeah, I had a Z, <laughs> cool stuff happened, then I got a 911. It's like, wait, wait a minute, what what happened in between? Did you drive a Chevette? I mean, what, what, no, what no, 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 no. So now the car is complete, right? I had it painted. The guy who painted the car, he put seven coats of paint on the car, right, with a clear on top, so it was phenomenal. It, it was uh, one of those days, you know, when you shouldn't drive your car out, out and I'll say that, I guess I'll just put it out there. So <laughs> I needed a damn cheap part. <laughs> and I went to the store to get the cheap part in a snowstorm. Oh, yeah. Right. And so me and the car ended up in a pole. Oh, no. Right. And so I, I hit a pole at the door jam. The car wrapped around the pole. Right. Oh, I don't know how I didn't get hurt. I ended up taking that motor. So the car survived. It ran perfect. But, you know, you got a, a 14, two-foot deep pole dent <laughs> in the car. So I ended up, um, later on, I ended up sourcing another 280Z. It was a 280, but I can't remember the year that changed the body style. Yeah, that was a 2 plus 2. It started to look a lot like the 300ZX versus your car was the same chassis body as a 240, 260, just with a bigger engine. Right. And so this one had a digital dash. Mm -hmm. It was only okay. And so, so I, I took the motor and transmission out and shoehorn it. I tell you, when you take that motor, I don't know if you've ever seen it, motor and transmission together. On the Z, it looks like a Draxler motor, right? Mm -hmm. It's very, like you said, very long. So I shoehorned it out and put it into another car and I, I, I pretty much got rid of that car. That was just before I joined the military. So I drove that car for, for about three or four years. And then when I went into service, I parked it at my uncle's house. When I came home from the service, it had been there from 94 to 99, right? It was at his house. And the year I came home, it got towed because he moved it from the house to the road or somewhere. And I asked him, where'd the car go, right? Where's my car? Because you said it was okay. But ultimately, the car got towed away, and I never saw it again. Wow. And so for a few years, I had nothing. Until just before we met is when I picked up the, the Porsche. When you compare your experience with the Z, the, your first one, <clears throat> the 75, against the Porsche, which gave you the better driving experience between the two? Oh, I, I, I can't really quantified as the Porsche, right? Because I never, in eight years, I never got any real time in it. So, you know, which is, to me, was tragic because I, I love that car. It was small. When I do, when I look at the car sometimes when I was on the highway, because there was a couple of times I did drive. I even driven, had driven it to your house. Mm -hmm. So, but, but when I looked on the highway, I said, it's small. I can only say that I got the best driving experience from the Z. I remember making jokes to you a couple of times how I had a better driving experience with the, the Volkswagen Jetta <laughs> <laughs> that I had because it runs. You yeah. know, I never really have any issues with the Jetta versus what I did with the with the Porsche. 
I, I mentioned earlier that I had the Cardano, right? So I, I wish I could remember the name of the place that did the dyno. He used the new system where they take the wheels off the car. And so he gave me the sheet and was like, oh, there's something's wrong with the car. The, the, it's not necessarily the car, maybe it's the clutch, right? And the clutch, because of this new setup, what he said was identify any issues you had in your transmission clutch system, right? The way that transition. I said, okay. So I'm driving home and me and my son were about a block from the house and I hear this, the fork broke. The fork broke. I was like, I just got the car back. <laughs> and it, I would say that with the Porsche, it was always something. It, like, it was like it did not like being in my house. It loved being a garage queen. I would say this to, to folks, look, but don't touch. Ooh, come and rub me, but don't get inside of me. <laughs> yeah. she, was, she was very temperamental, right? And, and I'm just, today, I would say I'm glad she's gone. I need something that I can, as a, as a car guy, I had gas on my chest. The truck just doesn't do it. So you know I have that, I have that Ford F-150. It just doesn't give me the satisfaction. When you want to go just, say, a little over the speed limit, you don't get the same experience in the big four-door <laughs> F-150, right? Yeah. Which motor sounded better, the Datsun Straight 6 or the Flat 6 of the Porsche? Hands down, the Porsche. Hands down. Hands down, unfortunately. It was a couple of things, though, that made, to me, made it have a great experience with the Porsche as far as sound. Even though the, the Z that I had had a side draft by Weber's, so with the same same setup, each car, each car had a carburetor per cylinder. The Porsche had it and the, the Z. But just the, from the configuration with the downdraft versus side draft gave the engine motor a better sound. There's a lot of rumors about who designed that car, if actually Nissan designed it in the first place. There's there's rumors that a certain West German company actually designed that, you know, the look and shape of the car. And I mean, they're a very attractive cars, especially the early Z cars are very good looking cars. They are very European looking. They didn't look like anything else that had come out of Japan at that time. So I wonder what drew you to the Porsche and not another Z car after having been through two of them. That was real easy. When I saw Jason with the car and I got a chance to look at it, I had no experience with Porsche before. You hear it, to me, it was always outside. That was always for somebody else. It wasn't until he and I talked and I was at his house and I got a chance to really look at the car and have some experience because of him that I was drawn to it. But that evil mistress that was your 911 has driven you back <laughs> into the arms of yet another Nissan. How about that, right? Uh, <laughs> look, you, some days you just got to go home. You just end up home. How do you get there? Just It's like, you know that penny you dropped on the carpet, right? You haven't seen it for years. One day you're moving all the furniture around. There's that penny. Comes right back to you. That's what, to me, is Z is, right? It's just natural. The 350Z in this case, when it debuted in the early 2000s, what did you think of it? You got one and one. <laughs> Period, right? I wasn't ready, right? Early 2000s, I wasn't ready because of family situation. Prior to the, the new one coming out, I had a 300. <laughs> Onion continues to be unpacked here. I didn't know you had a 300. Oh, continue. Yeah, right, so I had a 300, before, uh, yeah, just before I got married. 
So wait, right? wait, wait. Which which three hundred? The one that looks like the old ones, or the new newer style rounded one? The new style rounded one. Okay, so the nineties right. version. Okay. Right. Yeah. It was a great car. The reason why I got rid of it is once I got married and have kids, it's time for that car to go. Yeah. What are you gonna do with a two door coupe? Yeah. Exactly. Right. So family first, then once you come get get your come ups a little bit, right? Things start turning. You know, you can afford a little bit more is where I am now. So I got I went back home to the Z. Before we uh, talk about your Z, what do you think about the current one, the 370? There's a rumor that the 400 is coming as well. So sometimes it becomes too much noise for me to keep up with all the changes and all the... So the whole time when I was looking and dealing with the Porsche, all I kept saying was, I need something to drive. I need a Z. And so you had put me in touch with... Racer Ron. Uh, right to buy his z a couple of times i wanted to get something that was relatively old that i could to buy and put it on a track i can't look at the new stuff i went that way <laughs> before but you know i just want to get gas off my chest right get some speed behind my wheels so right now i you know that the the z i don't know if we're ready to go down this path but the z is in the shop right now getting the roll cage put on um, i've been ordering parts I'm trying to pop, pop my brakes a little bit. You're, you're in at 110%. But actually, it brings up a good little segue. Brad and I did an earlier episode where we talked about good starter track cars. And we, we decided that the 350Z ended up on the honorable mention list, mostly because it's often forgotten as a good starter track car. And, I, and I'm not trying to downplay it. It's an excellent track car, period. Very forgiving chassis, great power. It, it's just a really all-around good car. But most people overlook them. And they probably figure, hey, they're either stance broke cars or they're too expensive to get into. Now, you were really fortunate to find another one at a really, really good price. Do you feel as though you're a bit of a pioneer? I mean, you're the only Z guy in our group, but on the same token, you were talking about sharing of information and things like that. Do you find it easy enough to find parts for the Z and build it out? Or has that been a challenge much like it was with the Porsche? Oh, it's nothing like the Porsche. Their parts are available and cheap. Right. Any, and not only that, but I mentioned there are plenty of YouTube videos. So as I was stripping the parts away and not quite sure how I wanted to mount something or how I wanted to do something, there's somebody out there who posted a video on how to. When I, I mentioned earlier, when I looked at uh, looking to buy a new 3.6 motor for the Porsche, even having the one that I had rebuilt, Tony at Translog said that he could not do it but $20,000. So when I looked at sourcing one off of eBay that was rebuilt, they were starting price was $25,000. I'm gonna change here now to the Z. The Z motor rebuilt <laughs> is $1,000. <laughs> I, I wanted to say when I bought the header system and exhaust system for the, for the Porsche, I was close to $1,000. I got a whole system, headers, all the way back for, I think, 400. The headers were probably a little bit more expensive. Maybe I paid 175, but the rest of the system was like 300 bucks. And, and then I got a bypass pipe that they don't include that piece, which is where the catalytic converters would go. So they, they sell a bypass pipe. Those were like 80 bucks, but everything else was like 300. Parts are very available. We got to see a glimpse of your car. If people, if listeners are out there and they go back to our website and search 
Dino Day 2020, we actually got a glimpse of your Z in the earlier stages before you started modding it and things like that. Because I know you wanted to get a baseline. Now you talked about dynoing cars, all of your cars at, at this point. So I think you got some baseline numbers. Are you going to have Autofab after they're done doing the cage and whatnot? Are you going to have them rerun it on the rollers just to see if the enhancements you've made have actually made an improvement to your numbers? You know what? I'm not ready yet. I think the, so because the last time when they did the dyno, there was something off about the harmonic balancer. So they couldn't get a, an accurate reading. They, they had to do it like three or four times just to get it to set right so it can pick up. So I already had a replacement harmonic balancer. <laughs> so what other mods have you already done to this car? And it hasn't even turned a lap on the track yet. Other than the exhaust system, the headers, I haven't done anything else. Does it sound good with the exhaust on it? Oh my God. <laughs> It does. It does. It does. You'll have to see. You'll see. You bought this car to build specifically to go to the track, to go road racing with the rest of us. Where's your first event going to be? Do you have a, you have a goal date to bring the car yeah. out and debut it? Yeah. So I think there's, um, there's an event. Hooked on driving. Yeah. I think I'm coming out to that event. That's uh, sometime in the end of August. The one at Summit Point or the one at, at Pit Race? So I didn't see the one at Summit Point. The one I saw was with the cookout at Pit Race. That's a good plan. Come to right. Summer Bash. So that's the, that's, the, that's the plan. Well, I'm excited, right? It will be my first time at the track in that capacity, meaning in the race car, ready to go. You know, so I'm trying to make sure I have, I'm sure you probably get tired of my, what do I need to replace questions? But I'm trying to make sure that I have everything in place to be, to be ready so that I can compete with myself. And so for the listeners, unlike the episode we did where we talked about what I wish I knew as a newbie coming to the sport, Al's dealing with a car that at this point is already 17 years old. It's got a lot of things that do need to be replaced, you know, bushings, motor mounts, the exhaust was rotted out. Actually, his catalytic converters were completely shot, which is robbing him of power. There's a lot, you know, brake pads need to be done. Fluids need to be gone through. The car has about 160,000 miles on it. So you really have to go over it differently. It's a different conversation because he's building something specifically for going to the track versus, hey, I've got a, a really nice, you know, 2015 GTI. How about I go to the track for the first time? So a little bit different conversation for the people that have been following along with. So Al, you're kind of in the middle and I know you being 110% on what you do, you're going to be out in stage 12 land like I am and the, probably be a full on time trials car by the end, end of next season. But there, And there's not anything wrong with that. But I'm really excited to have you come out and join the rest of us and having a unique car because you don't see a lot of Zs outside of drift events and drag racing and, and, and some of the, what we call the stance bro events it's going to be really cool and really unique and with that exhaust note of that vq engine we're going to know where you are at, at any given time so let me ask you why, why do you think that is that this isn't being used for the racing the way the way that you do racing and this is all hearsay that they're kind of fragile transmission wise when i was looking at buying my track car I was interested in the Z's. Obviously, I didn't go that way. Uh, one reason is because I don't fit. But another reason is because I didn't have a surplus of funds to throw into replacing parts over and over and over again. Now, going down the rabbit hole as I have, and I've had to replace many axles, a $60 axle is different than a five or $600 transmission. And that's just what I've heard. And then the VQs, they're pretty reliable. The head gaskets go uh, every once in a while. I really can't answer as to why they're not 
bigger in the in the racing world they're they're really big in the drift world maybe it's just it's just the culture of the car a lot of people that are into that car aren't into road racing they're more into drifting and things like that to brad's point it's probably the same reason that you don't see a lot of supras and that's also because those cars are a lot more rare and i'm speculating because i have to go read the gcr which is the global competition rules i'm not sure that the z classes well and that's why you may not see it because it doesn't really fit into a lot of series and so that's that's where you end up with the whole discussion of buy what you see it around the paddock especially if you're going racing racing because you're either trying to do a spec series where you it's a miata e36 e46 spec boxster spec c5 you know stuff like that where there's a plethora of those cars and they just make them fit in the mold and you call it a day and that's what a lot of proper road racing and club racing is but the Z, much like a 24-valve VR6 GTI or even the 1.8 turbo Volkswagens, I mean, I know we're Volkswagen fans around here. I'm using them as an example. They don't class well. SCCA does not have a class for them in the GCR, which means they're a car that people would shy away from competition-wise. They'll go to something else like a Honda because it places an ITS or it places an ITA, you know, the older Mark II Volkswagens in ITB and, the, and, and so on down the line. So it's easy to go down the list and just pick something that, that qualifies and you can go racing. Now, because you're starting out in high-performance driver's education instead of straight on club racing, you could do whatever you want. They don't really care. You're, you're there to learn. You're there to go fast, do what you want to do. And if you have ambitions to go on to something else, you do hit a point where you come to an impasse and you say, well, do I want to go club racing or do I want to go to time trials? I have a feeling that you may like time trials better than club racing, knowing how you like to take care of your cars. It's, it's not full contact like some of the other disciplines are. And you're racing against the clock. You're racing against yourself. In time trials, the classing system is also very different because it's not based on the car must fit this mold. It's based actually on a like a penalty system where you're running this mod and these tires and this and that, and you can mix and match stuff. So I went to this event on Hoosiers and it bumped me up a class. Well, I'm not going to run Hoosiers anymore. I'm going to run Nittos. That brings me up into a class where I feel I'm more competitive in or, or whatever it might be. So you got to jockey around with some parts, but everything you're doing right now, especially especially, you know, with the halfback cage or the hill climb cage, you're gearing yourself towards either doing time trials or hill climb once you graduate away from high performance driving. Awesome. Okay. Again, that's why I said you're a bit of a pioneer. And I mean, you got the team behind you to support you anyway. So you need people to come turn wrenches. We're all excited. Something new to work on. And we're always willing to help. You're at the tip of the spear on this thing. You're going to have to let us know, well, this was a waste of money, right? And that's where we got to with the Volkswagens. Now we have the build sheets. And it's go down the list. This is what you need to buy, depending on what you're trying to build. And so the same might be true of the Z. And, you know, we'll try to see if we can find somebody out there to also get you better direction. But I've only come across a handful of these cars. And I know one of our other members who's up in New York, who now has a Viper, started in a Z. And again, I, I sat right seat in that car for many, many events. And I can tell you firsthand, it's, it's an awesome ride. I have heard the same rumor Brad has had about the transmissions and stuff. I hear there's a beefier one you can get, and then you kind of don't worry about it again. At this stage of the game, you're dealing with a 17-year-old car. Stuff's going to go. And, and you know how it is, right? When you're doing this and you're really dedicated and it's not your daily driver, it's like, pfft, send it. If it blows up, then you know it's broken, and then you fix it. Lather, rinse, repeat. And, and if your car does well, that may inspire me to – try and wedge myself into one or get a G35 because they're a little bit bigger. 
to be truthfully honest, my sister and I, when we put the original article together that I was referencing earlier, the 350Z came up on the list because we both like the way they look, the way they sound. I've ridden in them. They drive great. They got plenty of power. And we're always like, why have we overlooked the Z for so long? Now they're really affordable. It would make sense. It'd be a great rear wheel drive car to pick up and have similar power to, you know, what I have in the GTI. And so it would be a very easy transition. So yeah, I, again, as Brad is saying, I'm, I'm looking to you at the moment to say, where do we go from here? Right. And so, you know, I have to rely on you guys because someone who's new coming into the field, there's going to be a learning curve. And so as I get, I will share. But there are things about racing. You know, I'm waiting for you to sit side saddle. Hey, Al, <laughs> do this, do this, do this. No, 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 not like that. <laughs> so uh, it's, it'll be exciting. I, I, I hope to get, and you asked the question about events. I hope to get at least two or three events this year. What that means, I don't really know, but I know that I'm positioning myself to be ready. What Brad doesn't know is that I got a trailer and I ordered a trailer and got it, got it sourced. It's ready to be picked up. And I'm trying to figure that out right now. If I'm going to drive to Georgia, I'm kind of on the fence on the drive, not because I can't drive, but I don't know what's happening down there. And from a mind perspective. And Eric mentioned earlier that the, the cars in the shop getting the, the cage done. Again, I just want to be in the best position in August, trying to have everything, the minimal set of things that I need so that I can bring a car out and drive. I think you've done the right thing. You took care of all the problems with the car because of its age, and then you focused entirely on safety. And that's really the way to do it. Because as I've said before, never modify a car past your ability to drive it because you continue to slide the bar to the right and it makes it more and more difficult for you to find the limit. And, and you know, we were debating brake pads the other day and I said, well, you got this, this, and this. I would really tell you in the future, you're going to want Hawks. Right now, you're going to want a set of EBCs because you want to experience brake fade at the track. You want to know what it's like to encounter that particular use case. And then we'll go from there. But if you just throw on a set of you know DTC 70s, they're going to run you all day. You're like, oh, my brakes are fantastic, blah, blah, blah. But you never really learn how to stop the car, right? And so it's important. And I'm not, I'm not trying to put you in a precarious position in any way. But again, you need to learn to outdrive the car and then you can mod it. And you got to do your mods tastefully and slowly at that point so that the car and you grow together in yeah. lockstep. And, right. and that's erring on the side of safety. Some people are like, ah, the heck with it. I'll just buy a turnkey race car and you know, LMP2, Legere, and they go to town and, and that's whatever, that's fine. Good for them. But, you know, if you want to really do it the right way and have a love relationship with the Z and, you know, not the relationship you had with, with the 911, then you're really going about it the right way. Yeah. You mentioned a love relationship with the Z. You know, early on, I mentioned that I, you know, as I do kind of replace parts, I start noticing things, right. And I ask myself, and I even ask you, hey, do you think I should do this right now, right? And maybe, maybe not. Because when I look at the car and the age of the car, and I said, well, if I'm going to drive, if it's going to go to the track without going so far overboard, because it becomes a, a, a touchy subject, right? When you start buying, because I see that the valve covers need to be replaced. Well, if I replace the valve covers because of who I am, I'm going to replace the, the spark plugs. If I replace the spark plugs, I'm going to replace the ignition coils. If I replace it, so it becomes this, this cycle, right? Then you end up with, 
okay, I went in to replace this and here's my budget. And I went over my budget by, I don't know, another thousand dollars because the natural evolution, because you see these things, you think about how long it's been and I might as well replace that. And I might as well replace this. We're like, okay, I'm never going to put the car back together and be ready for anything. I'll say it again. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, run it till it breaks and you know it's broken. <laughs> you know, said that line to me and I didn't know where he got it from was Carolyn made that said that line to me the other day when I was replacing or putting on the, the hood latches. Right? He says, run until it breaks. And you know, you know, you know it's broke. I was like, okay. So he got that from you? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. <laughs> I've got a lot of those sayings, unfortunately. I need to write them down. Okay. okay. As we wrap things up here, let's talk about your other, because you bought two cars at once. You bought the Z and you picked up something else as well. You want to talk about that? Uh, well, I guess I can, right? It's, it's, not a, it's not a surprise. You know, I had a gas on my chest and Z wasn't ready. Maybe it was more about me losing the Porsche. Regardless of how things went, I did feel some type of way about my garage, right? <laughs> I, there was a love-hate relationship. And so I needed something to take that place. Although I picked the Z up, it wasn't quite ready. It's not like I can drive it anywhere. So I bought a 2017 Jaguar F-Type, supercharged V6. And it is a beast. It is gorgeous. <laughs> and she loves to be driven. I don't have any issues with her. She's got a wide in the rear. It's got a great stance. Everything works. And I get that gas off my chest. And it's a jag. <laughs> so so during, during this time when... You know, most of us are wound really tight from being home a lot. The one thing I'll do in the middle of the night is get in the car about eight and I will drive for an hour in any direction and see for how far I can go and then turn around and come home. So one time I made it up to almost to New Jersey Turnpike. I've been down to Crystal City, but I didn't go and I went through DC. I went the DC way in the DC. You know, and, and so I just take these drives. I'm not going to say I can't take the family and the kids anymore because that's really not what it is. It's just <laughs> that I need to be out of the house for a minute, right? And that's what I do. I take the car. And so I, I will say that the Jag, the paddle shifters is phenomenal. And so I, I'm not sure if you really know that you can switch to manual mode. When you switch to manual mode, also comes up where you can, there's another lever, which takes it into dynamic mode. Once it goes into dy dynamic mode, it's race ready. Everything changes. The performance, the, the handling. You know what I'm going to do, Eric? And next time you come by here or I come out there, I'm going to drive the car and I'll let you take it for a ride. Oh, so, oh man, I hear it. I see a test drive article coming. Sign, <laughs> sign me up. Let me, let me come by. I don't even want to drive it. I just want to get in it. So I'll let you take it. Right, I'll show you the basics, how to put it in, in that mode and let you take it out. You hear listeners, there's another test drive article coming. This is gonna be great. <laughs> right, so um, you let me know and we can do that soon or as soon as you like, right? Yeah, very cool. 
that's another car, you know, we don't get a lot of Jags and an F-Type is a great sports car, you know, a little bit more Boulevard GT sports car, but still great looking car, you know, one of the newer Jags. It's got all the modern stuff in it that you're not plagued with all the classic British problems and whatever, but what, what a, what a great choice. And we actually talked about the F type on an earlier episode where we, we talked about V8 convertibles cause there's a convertible version. So I just wanted to highlight for everybody that yours is a coupe and that, that midnight blue with the, over the camel interior. I mean, just gorgeous car, really, really stunning <laughs> hashtag jelly on that one as well. So good job. <laughs> But regardless of all these car changes, for everybody that's listening out there, he earned the nickname Porsche Al because we had three Al's in the club at one point, Maserati Al, Porsche Al, and Focus Al. But you're the only Al that stands, and we're still going to call you Porsche Al. <laughs> I'm good with it. Look, I'm still here. I'm just uh, glad that there's that camaraderie that you guys get together. You know, the one, one of the things that surprised me about you early on, we had a lot of things in common. We looked up wise names, right? Cars, transformers. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff to geek out about, right? I'm glad to be a part of the group. And I'm also ecstatic about the possibility to see your dad's car on the road. Because I said all along, I don't care what anybody else said, and you were trying to sell it. I don't want to, I don't want to. I was like, Eric, don't sell it, fix it. Don't sell it, fix it. Put it together, put it together. And I'm glad that that's where you're going with that. I am, I am ecstatic to see the, the result of your, you and your sister and everybody's time on that car. Yeah, so if anybody's interested in what Al is talking about, if you go on Instagram and look for hashtag GTM Project 914, I've been slowly posting the build pictures as I've been going along, resurrecting a 1974 wide body Porsche 914. It's an interesting build. Uh, you know, we're modernizing it tastefully. We're returning it to a 1.8 liter, but you know, it's still a VW motor at the end of the day. But yeah, you're right. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad there's been a lot of people pushing me to get that car out of storage and work on it. You're not the only one. Racer on the same thing. A lot, Matt, there's a lot of folks that remember that car when it was running and they're like, you need to do something about it. You need to get it back on the road. And so we're getting very close. It's going to make a trip to AutoFab probably soon after your, your Z leaves there to get some work done. And then we're going to continue the build. So it's going to be pretty cool. Good, good, good. I'm glad to hear. On that note, I think it's time to end. All right, sir. Well, thanks for inviting me on and I'll talk to you soon. Very good. Thank you much. Thanks. All right, Brad. All right, man. If you like what you heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out at www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey listeners, Crew Chief Eric here. Do you like what you've seen, heard, and read? 
from GTM? Great, so do we, and we have a lot of fun doing it. But please remember, we're fueled by volunteers and remain a no annual fee organization, but we still need help to keep the momentum going so that we can continue to record, write, edit, and broadcast all of your favorite content. So be sure to visit www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports or visit our website and click in the top right corner on the support and donate to learn how you can help.